0: This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Welcome to Body Talk. I'm your host, David Lissondack, fascia Specialist and Structural Integrator with the Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. And as my guest today, I am thrilled to have the former anatomy columnist of Yoga Journal, the co-founder of Tune Up Fitness, best-selling author of the book, The Role Model, and the person who wants to democratize self-care, the one and only, the fabulous Jill Miller. Jill, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, David. You know, I just heard for the first time just now that your name is pronounced Lysondak. I've been calling you Lysondak this whole time.
0: Wow. And I never corrected you. I must like, no,
1: well, I I mean, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily at my table every night when I'm like, Oh, David Lozondack said.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a, that, that's a fairly common mispronunciation. So I'll let that one side. I've heard far worse than that. I I don't have an easy name like you.
1: (laughs) Okay. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) So for, for the, for those out you, those of you out there in radio land, um, Jill is a pioneer in what is sometimes called self myofascial release self care but you've always preferred the term self massage
1: Yeah I don't think I ever heard the term self myofascial release when I was originally rolling around on balls and wooden rollers I studied massage um when I was I started studying massage when I was 18 years old I started studying shiatsu and so my original massage form was you know was the Chinese medical model, or actually the Japanese medical model, because shiatsu is from the Japanese meridian theory. We have Chinese meridian theory, Thai meridian theory, uh, Ayurvedic meridian theory, so many meridians. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Fascial meridian theory. So I don't think I heard the term self myofascial release till well, probably years later when I was in some other massage clinic or this or that.
0: Yeah, to um, me, that's relatively, say, the last four or five years, maybe, almost like a marketing tool.
1: Well... Based on the research I did for your book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's our book. Come on. the, the first,
1: 1990 was the first time the term was used in actual research. And so I started studying massage. Oh, good. I'm dating myself. I started studying <laughs> Jatsu in 1990. You guys can run the math on that. Yeah. Um, figure out how old I am.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I guess basically the that first means we know time- a lot. That's right. We are subject matter experts. Yes. In, I started studying Shiatsu massage probably in 1990, which is when that first study um, came out.
0: What inspired you to take to the move study. from, yeah, well, well, to take the move from, okay, I'm learning how to do this to other people, but there's a way that you can do it to yourself. Where did you make that leap?
1: Well, I think I actually was, having self-massage for myself before I studied I did formal studies when I was in uh, high school I started studying yoga uh, actually junior high school I started studying yoga from videotapes and from wow. yoga journal from yoga journal magazine yoga yeah, journal my-
0: used, it was like mimeographed back then
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yes, <Yeah>, stapled, <laughs> <Great>. um, <laughs> sent from a you know a white envelope the mail from the for publisher. God's sakes, yeah. It did. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, there was no e-books back then. I started studying yoga um, around age 12-ish, thirteen, eleven, some somewhere around that wow. time. I grew up in a solar home off the grid in Santa Fe, New Mexico, wow. and we didn't have cable because there's no cable when you're that far up the grid we had a you had had to make your own fun basically (laughs) you had to make your own fun yeah we had a satellite dish which was and it was a big one not like these little direct tvs (laughs) i mean it was like this huge like looking for martians thing
0: Uh huh.
1: i don't know why we had that that was probably pretty expensive but i think my stepdad really wanted some tv yeah well and wanted to be off the grid you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm.
0: you got to pull those signals down it wasn't so easy (laughs) back was this was like what the 80s probably 70s
1: late 70s okay there you go 70s early 80s so we we uh, got cable big deal (laughs) that's right my mom brought home though we did have a Betamax, and my mom brought home the jane fonda workout and the raquel welsh yoga video and so hopefully some of your listeners that's are great. of an age that they remember the, the seminal Jane Fonda workout and
0: mm-hmm. Raquel
1: Welch's video was called "True Beauty" with Raquel Welch. Oh my! But what it was was Bikram's first series, and what who, get out sued her. So my first exposure to yoga was the first was Bikram's series via Raquel Welch in a bathing suit with these really hot sweaty you know back up yogis behind her um, but i loved it i was addicted and mm-hmm. i mean when i say i was addicted i was addicted i would race home after school every day and i would do these videos back to back my mom gave up very quickly she was not uh-huh. into the into the video fitness like i was
0: so this was like your xbox basically
1: yes but it was an outlet i was a very disembodied little girl and i was very overweight and i had very thick glasses and i was that girl in 6th grade who was teased and um you know people would pass notes to me and say they wanted to be my boyfriend but it was just people playing jokes on me it was tough and so when these videos came into my life i guess sometime after 6th grade junior early junior high um it was a revelation to get into my body, um, but it also spiraled along with an eating disorder. And so Hmm. now in retrospect, I can look back and I can see that what was really happening was I was trying to regulate myself because I really felt out of control. Lots of divorces in my family, lots of moves, still more divorces and moves to come, but that was really how I tried to anchor myself with these practices. Hmm.
0: Can you remember what it was like for you at that age, 11, 12 years old, experiencing that inner sensation of your body for the first time and going, whoa,
1: I'm an overachiever. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm an, I'm an intense study. I really like to learn things and I will work very hard until I, I learn. I never thought of myself as a physical being. My sibling was an, was excellent soccer Mm -hmm. player, softball player, number one in state. Um, But I never considered myself a physical being like, Mm -hmm. like, like, like she was
0: your your body was just something that moved your brain around for you basically
1: that's right and could play with my dolls or read Mm -hmm. i remember feeling the physical pain of uh of disconnection and and i can just make a, a leap just saying just trying to touch my toes like they were on camera you know now anybody knows me like you couldn't touch your toes at 12 i mean didn't you literally dismember yourself doing yoga stretches, you know, for photo shoots and whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, because I am hypermobile and I had no idea because I was just a stiff little, little studious kid. So it, you know, when I first started stretching, it hurt, you know, you feel that the delayed onset, you feel you don't have, would ever have the ability to do these positions and there was a questing and a conquesting i think of the aesthetic uh, you know that i saw on the pages of yoga journal or that i that i got from the video but the discipline of practice i mean the discipline of practice of anything of practicing scales whether it's on a piano or on your body does render accuracy and it improves your motor control and sensory inputs And so over time, I really learned to also crave what I now know as the, you know, the ecstatic experiences that my physiology gifted me with these practices. And um, the massage part came in because, you know, it's still a common practice to to give people, especially women, bath sets as gifts. Yes. Bath sets are just a really popular. My mother
0: loved those. Right. Calgon, take me away.
1: Right. There's some bath salts and maybe there's some shampoo, a lotion. And then there's a wooden, like, roller. There were all of these these wooden foot rollers or something called a ma roller, which looks like a little wooden dumbbell that you would use to roll up and down your spine. It it fits really nicely into the laminal groove, but it's hardwood. And that was my first massage tool. And I used that thing all the time. I just loved it. But I was a 14, 15-year-old, you know, gelatinous human. I wasn't a, you know, 72-year-old, <laughs> um, you know, mm. arthritic and osteoporotic yeah. and, and for
0: those 72-year-old arthritic people who might be listening, don't use don't. a in We'll <laughs> talk about that here shortly.
1: roller with your full body weight on it, never. <laughs> um, and so I really got into that. And then you know, there are so many junctions to the story. But mm-hmm. I did study um, massage, and then I also got formal training and informal training with my mentor, Glenn Black, who's been my lifelong mentor in all things um, bodywork, yoga, and meditation. Um, I started to need to. I love the bodywork, but I couldn't get the kind of bodywork that I could get from him. And so I would use uh-huh, yes to mm-hmm. mimic the hands-on experience that I felt at the hands of my teacher or at the hands of other masters. And I started to really create a system, a system around it, which now is called the role model and it's, you know, branded and uh, has a collection of different soft
0: uh, soft
1: rubber balls that we use.
0: This was going on in the background while your life was going in a very different direction from that at the time, right?
1: Yes, sir. It was (laughs) because my intention all along with studying therapies was just to help my, my wounds, to help my, my spilkas, my, to help Mm -hmm. my anxiety, to help my eating disorder, to help my, um, to help yourself, my, my, to help my help myself.
0: Yeah. Treat yourself like somebody you're responsible for helping.
1: That's right. I was an actress and I was a dancer. And so I consumed therapeutic modalities as a way to reset myself after performance, um, especially mentally, I would, you know, I would do roles that would be so stressful psychologically. You oh, need yeah. something to come down after a show to be able to go to bed.
0: I, I know how it is when I'm when I'm teaching like a six hour day, a seven oh, hour yeah. day. And it's like, oh, there's a yoga class across the street, but you want me to meet for dinner after the class because I just need to do yeah. something that re- that just like reminds me that I'm not on, I'm not performing anymore.
1: That's right. Because
0: uh, there's a there there is an aspect of teaching that's like performing. So when you have to put yourself in the headspace of a person who might be totally unlike you, that must be really weird to have to come out of that headspace and find Jill again.
1: Yeah, I mean it's one of the reasons why I was, when I when I quit acting, it was a great stress relief just to not have to imagine myself being chased or being raped or having to 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 tend to huge problems that would come with a role. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in order or to- Or being a zombie. Or, well, I wasn't the zombie. Oh, I killed the zombies.
0: You killed <laughs> so, the zombie. I yes, like that even better. I was the so, heroine. Yes, yes, yes. Jill has killed zombies and you can find it on Amazon along with her book, The Role Model.
1: That's true. It's interesting, the marketplace, right? It,
0: it is. Why not? Zombies. zombies are still hot these days. So uh, so, 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 yeah. what, when did you start to make the switch? How long ago?
1: Um, the the switch. Well, boy, 9 we... 11 was the switch for huh. me. Wow, yeah. Um, 9 11 happened, and that's so that's 2001. I was already, you know, studying yoga. I was in Los Angeles at the time, I was waitressing. The yoga studio where I was studying uh, asked me if I would start teaching for them. I never, re- I never really wanted to teach yoga, um, I had. I was really dedicated to the art but when 9/11 happened I I think a lot of people in the in this country took inventory of what was I contributing to other people's lives other people's well-being mm-hmm. and where where really how was I making a difference every day acting and waitressing I was not making a difference every day on the scale that I feel I was you know, as a, a, someone who wants to contribute to social justice and social change um, and help people feel their way through their own body and their story and their healing process. Because I did think acting could be that and I do think it is that for, but it's very hard to get to that scale, right? You have to It, it, really... it is,
0: I mean, we're, we're a story, we are a story based, I wanna say culture, but it goes beyond culture. Uh, we stories. Stories are how we understand and process our lives. Indeed. And I almost think we have too many stories right now. So we're using, we're losing. Okay. So we go back to the, to the satellite dish here, but you know, Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sound really old here, but um, you know, when we only had three networks and everybody talked about Johnny Carson the next morning, you know, it's, there, there was that shared collective cultural consciousness that now is so fragmented. Uh, But I I don't know that I want to quite get down that philosophical road here today. You mentioned being the change you want to see in the world, which Mm -hmm. we all did a little bit of that. uh, We'd have it. So you you talked about at the Australia Fascia Congress and it really struck with me uh, about the democratization of self care. So uh, beyond the the bath and Bodyworks stuff, why don't you kind of explain for the listener what you mean by self care?
1: Sure, uh, I do want to jump onto your Johnny Carson thing first to let you okay. know that Johnny sure. was a wonderful person and i got to know him just a little bit
0: because oh my god when i
1: waited tables he was a customer of mine at least once a week uh-huh. i used to wait tables at arnold schwarzenegger's restaurant in ben <sighs> in santa monica because i spoke german and i knew i could get oh. a job someplace wow. where, uh, yes anyways you, so i just you had you to say going oh. up the
0: awesome chart here yeah
1: so i started teaching i just started teaching yoga uh, full time i i quit acting i stopped auditioning I told my agent, don't send me out anymore. And that was it. I just started to go in a different direction and managed very quickly to establish privates. So I was, I went into, to do uh, which if you don't know what privates are, I mean, some people may not know, but um, okay. some people want just one-on-one yoga. And for me, now in t- 2020 what that has evolved into is I'm actually a yoga therapist I'm a credentialed yoga therapist which is a, mm-hmm. it's different than just teaching yoga
0: it is I worked with a really excellent yoga therapist uh, on a lot of chronic pain patients and I felt like we had this chess match where they would leave my they would leave my treatment room and then a week later they come back having seen her and it'd be like oh that was an interesting move you made here's my next move <laughs> it was wonderful
1: yeah, and you could progress across the board. Yeah. Oh, it, it I
0: felt like it hypercharged, it hyper we we hypercharged each other's practices and accelerated the benefits for the patients, like nothing I've seen before or since. That's so wonderful.
1: Yeah. So I became I started to get really interested in chronic pain specifically, especially as I was teaching. Because what I would see when I was teaching is I would see people avoiding certain movements or I was wondering why Mm. I would demonstrate a movement and then people would copy the movement and it wouldn't look anything like what I was asking for they were using other muscles to perform joint movements and so what started to happen is I would I ended up getting into very regressive work and getting into regressive regressive so in so like okay let's just for example, back when I was teaching flow type of yoga, because originally when I took over for teaching at the studio, it was a flow type of class, mm-hmm. which was not my background. My background was in what my teacher Gwen Black taught, which was very Iyengar based, but it was also very body, um, body work remedial exercise based. Okay. So we would do joint by joint movements, articulating every joint of the body in just chronically like we would analyze every single joint of the body in all the different ranges it went to both passively and actively and do very playful movements and conjure up uh, very unique and novel movements based on uh, the language of the body which is articulations yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so joints articulate so we would really practice a lot of joint articulations this is before by the way way before joint articulations has become one of the hottest type of training No, and I'm not going to name it right now, but joint articulations is, is a very hot thing. But guess what? Dancers and yogis have been doing it for generations. And Amazing. Generations. When you put a
0: new name on something else, suddenly it's like, oh, we didn't know that existed. Thank you for I
1: know. This. It's so weird. There's nothing new. It's just packaging. So I would regress movements because I would see that people were avoiding or bypassing or flinching when I would ask for certain ranges. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became even more regressed, like, you know what? And this is what Glenn would do in class. We need to actually massage this. We need yeah. to do a little bit of local treatment because either you're not proprioceiving, you're not, their proprioception of that is not there or there really isn't the motor ability to execute the movement. And so let's just regress, regress, regress until we find um, a way for you to tailor your own body for the intention behind this movement or behind this pose. And so I ended up coming up with a system called Yoga Tune Up, which really was about disassembling poses, reassembling your own body, being able to find your body's blind spots, areas of overuse, underuse, misuse, or body confusion, which really highlights that proprioception, interoception thing, and then move into performance so it was yeah, really let's, curious let's break about it down it's,
0: to its basic elements
1: yeah looking for these blind spots and then, and then that we'll that put it
0: together into this big elaborate uh, pose or sequence
1: yeah. but in what I teach in yoga tune up the process is the pose the most important part of it is that you are present with the process and the end pose or the end movement is never the goal it's that mm-hmm. each step along the way, you're in discovery mode and that really is the win because if you apply that discovery mode and that curiosity and that embodied curiosity to everything you do, then overall you can really impact your overall movement patterns and then that owie thing that's constantly impacting you, it might just disappear because you're identifying where you're going blind or unconscious or numb in your daily life.
0: So, so to make a corollary here, would you say that when people have uh, sports or exercise related injuries, it's because they're allowing themselves to be distracted and not present with what they're feeling in their body. They're just like, okay, I got to do so many reps or they have this, they have this performance goal in mind, as opposed to a inner exploration mindset.
1: I, th- I think I think both can coexist. I think that you know when you're okay. in the midst of performance, you have to you do have to let go and be just in the flow of the goal and in the play. But I think practice is something different. And so I really excite mm. people to commit to the practice of practicing and not mindlessly go through. And yes. I think there's some evidence based on this that right, really connecting your attention to uh, to inputs as well as to outputs improves embodied cognition and all that sort of good stuff.
0: Okay. So and I apply
1: this to rolling. So you apply, this, this yeah. gets you on the background. The no. reason balls got brought in.
0: Yes. Cause you and, don't use rollers. Correct? No. <laughs> Those are okay.
1: big. How do you? Yeah.
0: Do and they're hard to carry around the and machine. they're, yeah.
1: They're hard to fit behind your car seat.
0: They are. Why did you move to balls?
1: Balls? you know that's such a good question i had never thought like well why just balls why what happened yeah. i th- i think i had probably tennis balls hanging around sure. at some point but i discovered through a dance teacher that i was working with a product called the pinky ball and she would use the pinky ball before we would dance and so i just started to implement I discovered rubber, let's say. I got away from sports. I remember pinky balls. I
0: remember pinky balls. It was a specific brand uh, of ball. Yeah. It was a little squishy, but it had some bounce.
1: That's right. And so I started to bring them into my classroom. I wasn't a massage teacher, but what I could do is direct people to massage themselves so that they could awaken these specific body parts Mm -hmm. that... I knew were problematic. And I'll tell you, you know, the spine, the shoulder, what body, what part isn't problematic is <laughs> of the sit of our sitting culture. What I did first was I did that in my with my private students. The mm-hmm. bigger thing that I did with my students en masse was I did gut massage. So really the first group massage I did was Part of my own healing from my eating disorder, so it goes way back to the beginning. I was my- going to say
0: that that's a very bold place to start.
1: I know. I really on I the belly,
0: fall. and the I'm people t- people are bellies. Bellies are very personal spaces, and people feel very, I think, mm-hmm. less comfortable with their bellies uh, across the board than David. The, uh, I have say their learned. Elbow.
1: I have learned so much in the last 20, 20 something years of doing this. I mean, the way I practice and teach now is radically different than, you know, this 29 year old saying, okay, everybody, now roll up this hand towel, put it right here on your belly button and lay face down, (laughs) Um, which is I had adapted. Originally, I would do this Mm -hmm. with a, there was a tool in the Yang yangar space. It looked like a a hamburger bun filled with sand. And I had confessed to my
0: Oh, yes, I remember those.
1: Mm -hmm. I had confessed to my teacher that I was. Um, bulimic, and that I had trouble feeling my abs. Like I couldn't feel my muscles contract. I was in Pilates as part of the dance program, and my roommate, who was pre med, she came and took the Pilates classes, and she was always sore, always complaining about her abdomen and sore. And I was like, I was never sore. And it's because I was completely bypassing my abs. Mm. Um, and that was really my emotional workaround. With, wow. wow.
0: That it was part of my And, and you disorder. weren't aware that you were doing it either, if I'm hearing you right
1: no well, i, I couldn't I just couldn't access it i yeah. just because i was I was using my limbs to get to my core right which is which is what a lot of people do Sure. you do abs and your hip flexors are sore why? because you're using <laughs> your hip to <laughs> right. your core to, mm-hmm. to to strengthen your core and this that's a whole other conversation that's that's happen.
0: another podcast that's yes. another podcast.
1: but so she told me to lay down face down on this bing bag on my abdomen and I felt my viscera. I felt my pain. I felt my emotions. I felt mm. everything I had been bypassing and running from for the last, you know, decade. And wow, that really brought me face to face with um, my my inner issues. And that is how I began to n- nurture, finally nurture, slow down. Um, learn to listen and give voice to what I had been running from for so long I came up with this workshop concept called core integration a total abdominal awakening there's many other parts of the story but the really if you want to say how did you bring how did you start mm-hmm. teaching people this democratized self-care so I brought I bought all these hand towels at Target I still have them <laughs> <laughs> this original hand like they're blue it's and going green. to the joe
0: miller archive for the yeah. Mata sensory museum that we're planning to open in 2030
1: um, yeah well that's what i used to do i would roll up a hand towel in my dorm room and then i would shape it like a honey bun um i'm from mm-hmm. the south so in in this in the south there's this delicious uh, thing called a honey bun that's like a giant cinnamon roll and so i'd roll up the towel and then mm-hmm make it into a spiral, and then lay on it. And I would move it into different places in my abdomen every morning as a substitute for that sandbag thing. And then eventually I discovered a really pliable rubber ball, but I didn't know how to get them. I didn't know how to get those into that studio. I, I used the towel thing, but yeah. then I quickly... But that's one of the
0: things I like about you, Joe, uh, is having watched your videos online, uh, having worked with uh, some, some of those. Ease. Yes, you have your particular... Balls and tools that are expressly made for this purpose, but you always have a workaround in case the person doesn't have access to that, and it's a good workaround. And that is beautiful. You're 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 trying you're trying to sell more than just a product, and that's so refreshing.
1: Application should be known by everyone. Access to yourself. You are not a subdivision of different medical experts. You can heal yourself and you can feel yourself, but sometimes those locking keys have been thrown away or hidden compartmentalized due to medical trauma by uh, misdiagnosis or by belief that the diagnosis is you and your identity. And so part of my mission is to democratize self-care. And I don't mean about polishing your nails or, you know, getting a facial, although a fascia facial is a good thing, Um, But really what I mean is you having access to your own self-treatment. And so the education for me is really what motivates me. And of course, I have tools that support that education. But in a pandemic like we're in, I'm talking to people all over the world who don't have access to to the therapy balls or they need help right now. And there are things in your house right now that you can um, literally massage to help and support and to do these practices.
0: Now, the the thing that's important here though, and we uh, alluded to that earlier about being 72 and using a wooden uh, a wooden dowel roller or your, uh, um, oh, what are those things you use for dough that you roll things? A roller. A rolling <laughs> pin. A rolling pin, thank <laughs> a you, rolling a rolling pin. pin. Don't use a rolling pin. Don't use a golf ball, mm. you can't negotiate with a golf ball. Uh, and that's really important because you, you uncovered a really interesting story or I should say, um, case study about somebody who actually damaged themselves internally overdoing abdominal work.
1: There were two, there's now two documented case studies of really severe injuries uh, doing self-massage. One was using uh, a very hard foam, compressed foam ball, and this ball is actually harder than a lacrosse ball, and um, the woman damaged her tibial nerve it's a it's a division of the sciatic nerve she was rolling her glute she had glute pain and she was rolling and she was in her early 50s i think she was 51 or 52 um and it was it was something that they had never seen in the er it's the first documented case and this was uh, i think it was the end of or mid mid 2019 and this other notable case that really pained me i think i might have cried when i read it was a man who's 68 with chronic constipation. And it was his own mm. hand. He used his own hand and digging into the left side of his abdomen, um, doing abdominal self massage on his descending colon. He tore a part of his uh, mesentery. So this is uh, such a severe um, personal, he could have died yeah. and um, just get the chills thinking about it. But your fist is actually quite hard, especially if your intent is very hard. Part of yeah. our your hand your hand can be the most delicate thing in the world or it can destroy it can, you can kill somebody with a fist. So it really is about that intent. And he must have been in so much discomfort, but the chronicity and, and also he had very weak tissue. I believe he had um, sure. did, would have uh, to be. been a cancer survivor or something like that. But
0: but you've but you've but you I mean you've seen people like this, I've seen people like this where, well that's okay. I can, I can take it. I can put up with it. If that's what it's going to take to fix this, And I can do it. And, and we really want to back off from those spaces. It, it's such a strange thing to quantify. It doesn't feel good. It's not pain. It's somewhere in between and it feels necessary. How do you explain mm. that to other people? That, that Goldilocks point, not too uh, hard, not too soft, but just right.
1: The therapeutic touch. It's yeah. so subjective. I have a very strong bias about soft tools because when I roll on something hard, it hurts. It makes my body reject it. It makes my body tense up. And And, you know, conversely, mm
0: -hmm. uh, when I, when, when I was taught in the way I teach uh, people who learn myofascial hands on techniques is I say, use a conforming hand. I want you to conform your hand to the texture of the surface of the person you're treating, which I think speaks to having softer tools, softer hands. You can be more sensitive that way.
1: Yes, to conform to your form rather than to uh, be at war with your form. Um, so we, you know, neurologically, we have this thing called the muscle bracing response, which is our body's incredible way of shielding itself from being dented or hurt <laughs> or harmed. And um, that neurological tension is a very strong sympathetic response. And so if you have muscle bracing happening spontaneously all over your body, when a tool is applied to it, it's going to, you're going to be more in a revved up, amplified, um, accelerated state. And really in order for um, therapeutic touch to be able to mobilize your fascias, your muscles work on ad, adhesions or range of motion, you really have to uh, work with compliant tissue and a down-regulated or a deeply relaxed nervous system. So being able to really figure out what, what your stress level or really what is that baseline stress level as your body relates to a tool is really important. And softer tools just spontaneously seem to Um, disarm that muscle bracing response because they're just more tender. It's a more tender touch thing. So the body doesn't sense it as threat.
0: And you're going into a sensitive area. So that sense threatening mechanism is going to be much more alert. That's right.
1: And and, I mean, and your, your body is so interesting and there's so many different ponds of, of (laughs) of connective tissue and then abundance of defense mechanisms versus not. I mean, you know, your upper traps have, tons of muscle spindles compared mm-hmm. to, you know, compared to some places in your.
0: Your glutes, your glutes actually don't have that many spindles per gram. It's like eight spindles per gram.
1: Maybe that's why she just kept going and going. You know, she thought maybe if she rubbed her her butt more with the little feedback that she was getting, but also, you know, going beyond the spindle, because that's, that's easy to talk about. That's
0: mm-hmm. because it's
1: well-researched. Yes, but yes there are so many other free nerve endings that there's no measurements yet. We have no idea what all of the different nerve endings are conveying um, necessarily to our brain. But we do know that some of them are traveling into that uh, the, the pain and emotional centers of the brain. Others are traveling to your sensory mapping centers of the brain. So we have, all sorts of crossover, but, and what touch is the right touch or what tool is the right tool for different parts of your body? And what is the right amount of pressure? I would say that you're, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if somebody is listening right now and is thinking, I really want to do this, but I'm a little scared. I don't want to hurt myself. What would your advice be?
1: Well, start at the periphery. Don't start in your abdomen. <laughs> One of the things Don't I learned. Do, you did 20 years in the ago. Decades of these things, I actually do. I actually frequently do start people in their core. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a whole, that would be like an application podcast where we talk about like where's the best place to start. Because mm-hmm. I do think that you want to immediately address central nervous system vis a vis uh, position and breath. Because if I if you can attune your. Uh, respiratory rate and you can get into more of a parasympathetic or relaxation response than any any of the rolling applications they're actually going to be less uncomfortable because you've already lessened your threat response where you want to start is hands and feet because that is the least threatening to okay. the body in general and feet is like feet's fabulous because you you especially Like, you know, my mom, she's got a huge bunion. She had a bunionectomy on the other foot. And so I have her hold on to a chair or she can even sit in a chair and then she can roll light pressure, put her foot on top of the ball and just start to build sensitization. So that's the other thing is we want to familiarize ourselves with what it even feels like on our skin. What does it feel like to compress into a little bit more of the fatty layer? And then what does it feel like to start to get gliding, to start to shear all of these things are are novel stimuli and sometimes novel stimuli feels surprising and interesting other times because it's novel, it hurts. And so just really have to build up a threshold, um, a capacity for this novel touch. And, but your body will start to, it'll wake up. It's, it's been looking for sensation your whole life. That's part of what our, 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 our peripheral nervous system does. It's like, Give me something to focus on. And so when you give it really cool stimuli and novel stimuli, Mm -hmm. you start to pattern yourself better. And you also start to get better coordination and motor control. And that coordination thing is so important, especially as we age with slip and falls and-
0: I wanted to talk about that because I used to work with a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor, and he used to complain that the only thing walkers were good for is making you walk like an elderly person. There's a huge number of slips and falls and deaths that could have been avoided because of slips and falls. And what we tend to do in a rehab is we we encourage the person to be more reliant on their arms and their wrists and grabbing and handholds to get around. Mm. And then my theory, and it can be your theory, is that we actually lose touch with the ground beneath our feet and we shuffle, we don't roll through the ankle, and the ankle, it's designed to give our body constant sensory information about the ground beneath our feet. But if we're not actively using that ankle, we're not going to get that information.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. And then the type of footwear that is put on foot bones around ankles, those little ankle boots that limit the triplanar activity in the ankle, the feedback, the feet back. Oh, nice. Feedback. Love it becomes less and less and less. Trademark that, Jill. I have all sorts of... <laughs> no,
0: it's not... Who has the best word. names for things, so... Um, I do. She <laughs> does. She does. And somebody who loves language, man, you just every time.
1: Don't make me say toprioception on your podcast, okay? Oh!
0: slain. So, yes, increase your toprioception. Get well, your feedback. Is,
1: my, my friend Katie Bowman and I literally today we launching our, our pre-sale of our program called Walking Well, a stepwise approach to an everyday movement and where we disassemble the walking body from the ground up. And I teach 25-minute rollouts for every body part and she teaches 25-minute biomechanic. Explorations of these micro movements, and really, this is all about repatterning your walk and giving you a way to self-assess. But the feet, we could have just spent. We could have spent six hours alone on the feet. The program is six hours.
0: I I would have signed up for that. I totally would have signed up for. that. Well,
1: you can. You can. (laughs) I'm totally selling right now. Like, yeah, and I got to be honest. This is
0: this is a surprise to me. We did not talk about this beforehand. Mm -mm. Oh
1: no, I'm so. I'm just so. I see my mother, and I. I see my no. father, I see both of them having fascial challenges and biomechanical challenges. And they are still new to this world. I mean, my father, he's a he's an infectious disease doctor. He's so proud of me that I'm in this medical book now. Um, and he's been suffering himself from muscle wasting and I think a neurovascular impingement. Wow. And I'm trying to explain to him the fascial relationship to all of this. Because it's just not, it's not as beat. And also I am so lucky to know people my dad's age who have been in the fascist yeah. space, but you know, the silos in medicine mm-hmm. have kept doctors blind to advances in, you know, that's have happened since when they were in medical schools.
0: But I, I always tell my, my older population, besides giving them ball work to do on the feet. Um, I also tell them before they even get out of bed and I, I Lifted this from one of my favorite yoga teachers. It couldn't be more simple is just you know To to rock back and forth with your ankles before you ever get out of bed, you know Press press on the gas press on the brake press on the gas press on the brake breathe in breathe out Breathe in breathe out and wake those ankle joints up before you ever put your feet on the ground in the morning
1: Yeah, I do ankle work Every single day. It's so important to me especially because I think it's like a third of the population by the time you're 29 has sprained an ankle, and so we lose some of the, the mechanoreception or the the feedback from the ankle back mm-hmm. from the from the ankles. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> and working all
0: the ankles, Joe. <laughs> That, one that one was in. so
1: good. Oh my gosh. I'm totally going to use that in Please a future do. podcast about the Please walking wheel program. But yes, you, there, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still get really excited when I think about the new research that Stecco's lab and that Carla Stecco did on the retinaculum and the fact that the ankle retinaculum has the most per capita fascicites of all fascial tissues in the body and that is uh, that the ankle is able to produce more of the slick more hyaluronon than any other part and that is because we think or i think because mm-hmm. the ankle must have so much uh, differential movement at all times to negotiate forces coming from the ground up into it and your own body weight Smushing back down upon it and being able to without even thinking You know your body knowing how to direct your next footfall your next swing to heel strike your ankle is such and God could not have created something more fine and
0: I'm curious to see if we find uh, Similarities in the knee retinacula and the wrist retinacula That there is some that that's part of the whole proprioception system where where are we? Where where do we need to feel the most in order to feel the most? Oh, that could have come out better. It was better yeah, in my, better me, in my head. Yeah, it makes sense better in We need
1: to feel the most in order to feel the most. Yeah, yeah right. well the you know, the, the hands just don't have the kind of load um,
0: No, no, but they have the, to do a lot of fun. They have a lot of reps, right? Fields. The
1: type of reps that they have. With, yeah. with soft or um well, not soft. I mean, I'm. I, I
0: well, I if you're if I'm you're hitting with it, a hammer I, or you're painting with a those are two very different things. So exactly able to be able to fine tune that. Just like if you're stepping on gravel, if you're stepping on clay, if you're climbing a mountain versus uh, walking on a beach.
1: Yes, but bare the barefoot facts are that most people are are. Uh, clonking around in many layers of foam. Well, they're not uh, thinking on their, on their feet. feet, are they? Stop it! Many <laughs> layers of foam and rubber that are not mm-hmm. transferring forces um, mm-hmm. into their sensory system. but they're keeping them, they're keeping them afoot, keeping them upright, but not necessarily building sensitivity. They're yeah. they're they're uh, numbing themselves, as Tom Myers calls them, foot caskets, I believe. Foot coffins.
0: Yes, yes, coffins for your feet. That said, we are coming up on our time for today. Is there anything else you want to get in before we sign off today, Joe?
1: Yeah, I would really encourage people to find um, a way to tool around every surface of their body as a practice of discovery, and uh, you might will have surprising self treatment results just from an exploration, a head to toe, face to foot. Uh, Use the use what you have at your house. Use couch ends, use corners, um, Mm -hmm. use your kids' balls. It doesn't need to hurt to work. Less can be way more. You have so much more sensitivity in the superficial layers of your periphery than you do in the deep anyway think of a rolling practice really as as improving your embodiment and your self-knowing
0: and with that thank you very much for being here today joe miller thanks david This is David Lasondek. Thank you for listening to Body Talk. If you enjoyed what you heard, please hit the subscribe button. And if you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, go to patreon.com slash bodytalkradio. This is David Lasondek saying, remember, it's all connected. See you next week.